You're listening to Radio DePaul. I'm Connor Mudd, and this is Tom Talks. Hello, and welcome to Tom Talks, the talk show where we totally talk Tom Cruise. Today is our Magnolia episode, and with me is a very special guest. She lives in Chicago with her wife and two cats. Before COVID, she averaged seeing 50 plays per year, and she can perfectly trifold a piece of paper on the first time, every time. Please welcome to my show, Adelaide Lee. Adelaide, how are you doing today? I am all right, you know, plague. But uh, other than that, fine. You know, grateful to be, like, I'm still working full-time and working from home full-time, which is a hellscape, but I'm very grateful to be in it. Um, beats beats any alternative, I think. So, oh, yeah. yeah. What What do you? Uh, I actually I don't know what your day job is. I only know you yeah. from your night job. Right. I work in the medical device regulation industry. I work for a company that creates like ventilators and respirators and hospital beds and stuff. So business has been booming, but you know, uh, I do that really I have I feel like I have job security anyway and then that by day and then that's why I do like you know like theater criticism and quiz and stuff by night because uh it's a more creative outlet so oh yeah gotta have gotta have that that bit of uh creative outlet gotta justify going to college for theater somehow (laughs) yeah but you see 50 plays a year on average how how do you how well, I mean, I, I have been employed as a theater critic for a bit, uh, and I, I said plays, but it's also like musicals and operas, just, you know, but yeah, by seeing everything, like that's, I just, I just see it all. Oh, yeah. What pre, Pre-COVID, what was, what's like your favorite theater in the Chicago area to go see a show at? Oh, no, no. I mean, no, I don't have a favorite. Um, I also, it changes constantly. I think like timeline theater is one of my favorite in terms of always, uh, surprising me with what they can do. Um, and that that's in Streeterville, but I also, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, this is such a simp answer, but I just love Steppenwolf so much. (laughs) I just really do. They're, they're just so, you know, their quality is just so outrageous, but no, I can't, I can't choose a favorite child. (laughs) And who who do you write um, theater reviews for? Is it just well, for personal? Um, no, no. Well, or? no. Now, now nobody. Right. Because yeah, uh, because art is dead. But um, but I was employed by Theater Mania for some years. Uh, I was their Chicago correspondent, and then I was doing that, and then I switched to doing a more after a sort of uh, off period I switched to doing a monthly roundup sort of thing where it's like here's what's coming up in February 2020 Uh, that was the last one that was published (laughs) (laughs) in Chicago yeah yeah Yeah, Uh, somewhere in in my google drive I have a really tragic uh every opening of any theater in Chicago in 2020 that just never came to be have you tried to see any virtual show? I know some places oh, yeah. have tried to do virtual shows. Uh, are they mm-hmm. any good? Well, okay, actually, no. I, I answered that completely irresponsibly. No, I have not watched any live virtual broadcasts because they make me sad. I have been watching whenever theater, often when theaters offer up a stream of a previously recorded thing, whenever Chicago theaters do that, I'm on top of it. Um, like, I think next week we're going to do, I'm coordinating to see a re-release of um the steadfast tin soldier that looking glass did with these this mary zimmerman directed at these insane puppets of course um mm-hmm. and it's so good uh you know lots of like victory gardens has been streaming their old, old stuff uh i said nothing i do watch the live streams that um that the neo futurists put out because they're just mm. they're so adaptive that they can do anything true <laughs> they, <laughs> they're they're really on top of it you should really look at the Neo Futurists YouTube channel because they have been, uh, they, I mean, I joke, but they really have just adapted so well to filmed work. And did you ever see Too Much Light or Infinite Wrench when it was live? Uh, I did not get the chance, oh, no. That is all right. Um, 
since plays are off, what have you been, what have you been doing with your free time in COVID or has it just been nonstop work? Uh, it has been a little stop work, but, uh, no, I, I took up embroidery, which is the most cliche thing you can do. Well, no baking bread. I took up embroidery and um other than that my wife and I have just been really uh watching we really dedicated ourselves to television um been watching every episode of Taskmaster I don't know if you are familiar with this I I've heard of Taskmaster like the British panel competition show Mm -hmm. uh just like mindless true mindless entertainment um yeah that's embroidery and tv and uh yeah no no real like finding myself during covid narrative here just like yeah it, and that's you don't no nobody needs a finding myself during covid narrative right. i think i think the real narrative is yeah, there's some good tv that came out i just mm-hmm. watched all of queen's gambit in one sitting yesterday and i hear it's i hear it's terrific oh my it's phenomenal 10 out of mm-hmm. 10 uh, yeah. heartbreaking and heartwarming yeah. simultaneously i haven't really gotten good at uh coming up with ideas for podcasts that I will never do, uh, which I feel like is everyone's great side hustle during COVID. Um, yeah. So that's been, that's been good. Wait, what are your, what are your top three ideas? Oh, well, actually just today, my wife and I were talking about doing a uh, podcast where we will watch episodes of murder mystery TV shows and then pause halfway through to predict who the killer is and then circling like and like doing a little bit then and then finishing the episode and uh and discussing and then like rating each episode in terms of uh set criteria i love that that's so good uh a friend and i thought about doing a reek a nostalgia recap podcast for a tv show from the early 2000s that doesn't exist uh and just like and like a in that in that there was a there was a phase on the WB where there were like these Buffy spinoffs or not not spinoffs but these uh, derivative Buffy how would I put this like teen drama with an extraterrestrial or paranormal flair uh, pre Twilight post Buffy so the idea would be doing a weekly recap of a show like that and just like every episode just throwing in references and making up a really complicated lore. Uh, for the show and be like yeah you know it's not streaming because of the soundtrack was so cool and they can't pay for the rights and it was so integral to the story and we finally found like vhs's of it that our cousin like mailed us that she had taped off the tv and here we are doing an episode by episode recap just like making up all this ephemera about a show uh you know the kind of thing that'd be lovely (laughs) the kind of idea you only start having when you start running out of podcasts to listen to true um yeah so stuff like that have you been doing any any trivia stuff? Um, I have not been keeping in touch no. with Geeks Who Drink over. No, I have not been doing any trivia stuff. I I I, uh, I did some COVID trivia for work to lighten the mood um, using like an online uh, app, but um, an online app using a service you can do to craft trivia. But no, I haven't been doing any trivia. I've been cool. you know. That's... Just so much of what I enjoyed about so much of what I enjoy about doing trivia is the uh, well, I used to joke that I just I didn't do it for the money. I did it for the attention. Um, no, but I, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the social aspect of it so much. And uh, doing it online just sort of bums me out. I, yeah, I, I, I did one. Um, I did the Broadway quiz when they did the virtual oh, yeah. Broadway quiz. And that's all I did or all I've done, I suppose, since Geek Bowl. <laughs> since. Yeah. It was nice to sort of go out on a, such a high note, though. And then like two days later, we were like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was excited because my, my dad flew out for that. And I was on a random Nebraska team. Mm-hmm. And it was great. I'm still mad that that hangry velociraptors beat my random Nebra- Nebraska team. But, they're, you know, they're better than me. So it's fine. They're, they're, they cover a broad base. They're very, they're very well uh, developed in their areas of expertise. Yeah. Um, Part of the reason I wanted to bring you on this episode is because you are, I guess, currently a former trivia host because Magnolia is, of course, one of the only movies, or I'm not going to say only, it is a movie that features a quiz show. Yes. Is how I would describe it. Um, Because there are better movies that feature game shows and quiz shows. In fact, most movies are better, but... (laughs) 
it's um but we'll when we play a game a little bit later it will be a trivia game just because i feel like that's fitting but this is tom talk so we should probably talk a little bit of tom yes Um, let's talk tom yeah so how familiar would you say you are with tom cruise's filmography i have seen certainly most of his hits uh i've seen talk on a thousand to two thousand times um I, you know, legend, he's a, a early lesbian icon in legend. Um, early. Yeah, I've seen um, some of the Missions Impossible, like the John Woo, anything I've seen him in. But I haven't, I haven't really delved into his, uh, his oeuvre. That's, that, that's valid. You, mm. Nobody needs to de- delve into his career. I've done, I've done that's it. That's why so you're doing it. People don't have to. Um, what would your favorite Tom Cruise movie be? Do you think? I mean, it's basic, but I, it's Top Gun. It's got to be Top Gun. Yeah, Top Gun is is too quintessential. Are you excited for the new one to come out in next year? Not really. I don't know. Like I'll see it. <laughs> I yeah. I definitely, I was worried, but then I saw the young actors that they cast and the old actors that they cast because they brought in Ed Helms mm. and that was a A plus pick for me. And then they brought in Monica Barbaro, who um, is really not in a ton of stuff, but the stuff that she's in is really good. Have you seen the the Netflix original show, Good Cop? No. <laughs> uh, it's Josh Groban and, oh wait. God. <laughs> and, and like, wait, and uh, Tony Danza? Yeah, and Tony Danza. Yeah, I absolutely have seen that show, Connor. Um, I just, no one has ever mentioned it before, so I kind of thought I dreamed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's such a weird show, um, but the love interest is in the new Top Gun movie. Okay. It's just, the reason I say I'm not super looking forward to it is just that I've been burned so many times now with the uh, far-flung, it's not a reboot, like the far-flung sequel. I... Uh, I really just showed my own ass, pardon my language, when the, uh, I was so convinced for some reason that the Independence Day sequel was going to be good. Like that's the one I hung my hat on and uh, I was I was so wrong. And I just feel like once you're burned like that. Yeah, yeah, that's valid. Uh, and, like we, that. and recently we've been burned so much too with a lot of, I don't even remember why I, I don't know why they're making another sequel to Ghostbusters, and it's not a sequel to the new Ghostbusters. It's a sequel mm-hmm. to the old bust, go, old Ghostbusters, and I'm so confused by it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I feel like it's. I feel like Ghostbusters is a concept that is rife for almost infinite comedy. If they like, if they wanted to, if they do it well, in a way that I don't know if the world is in the right place for another Top Gun in particular. Sure. We don't we don't need the phenomenal homoeroticism that is Top Gun. I mean, that part we could always I mean, wait, do wait, a little wait. more of. But right. the, the, the jingoism and the uh, the exceptionalism through being a jerk. Um, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely... I'm going to watch it. Don't get me wrong, because I have to do oh, an episode yeah. on it. But it, it'll probably not be great. Um, yeah. Oh, I'll see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the next two questions are questions that I ask everyone on the show. The first, what is the most Tom Cruise thing that you have ever done? You know the scene in Far and Away where he punches a horse? Yeah. Uh, th- not that. <laughs> uh, okay, so I would say uh, I'm very demonstrative with my affection for my wife. Like, given given the chance, I love to just sort of go on and on about her. So I feel like Tom's uh, jumping on Oprah's couch is the like I feel like I've been I've been at about that level of excitement about my romance with my wife. Oh, that that's so sweet. That's yeah, yeah. I, I what I do. Kind of answer. Yeah, uh, I was so worried that you had punched a horse. Um, you're also I I think you're one of the few people I've met who's actually seen Far and Away. Mm. That that movie it eludes people. It reminds me a lot of Titanic. Um, go on uh, so (laughs) my reasoning is they are both period pieces based on a relatively inconsequential historical uh, thing the the Titanic and the great land rush of 1862 or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, they both center on um, a couple that seems ill-fated both have phenomenal uh, like or 
high quality directors, mm. very high budgets, very long run times, uh, start in one country and in another sort of deal. Um, and both featuring phenomenal nineties power couples. Mm. Um, and, and terrific scores. Uh, terrific scores. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but I think, cause I don't like Titanic at all. Mm. So I'm, I'm a far and away stand for life. Uh, just because I'm like, it's like Titanic, but it ends happy and we get to hear Tom Cruise try an Irish accent, um, which is a negative and a positive for me. Yeah. Yeah, I dare say I was, I was like, really fell under Titanic fever when it came out, uh, being a 12-year-old girl at the time. And I'm actually pretty sure I saw Far and Away because like the video rental store had like a movies like Titanic. And I was like, yeah, 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 let's do it. Uh, so that's why I've seen Far and Away. And also, like, you know, it's part of the canon of great films where someone pun- where a man punches a horse. That's true. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, Tom Cruise is a very other. mixed relationship with horses, too. He doesn't ride horses in a lot of his movies. He's generally a motorcycle guy, but it's just like sure. Far and Away and Last Samurai. He very rarely plays characters with any intelligence, I'm now, th- I'm now realizing. Uh, that's something in the last couple movies I'm like, oh, He's played one doctor ever, and it's hmm. just in Eyes Wide Shut. So he does very little doctoring. That's true. And even in like my, uh, not my, yeah, Minority Report, uh, where he's a, that's Tom Cruise, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's um, the super cop. Yeah. But even then, he really goes more on his gut than anything, doesn't he? Yeah. Pretty much. He's like, yeah. ah, I know I could search more, but I know it's this person and definitely problematic. But, you know, <laughs> That, that's a fun, that's in a couple, that's, when is that? That's in a couple weeks. That's in three episodes. Very excited. Oh, nice. The second question that I ask everyone, I give everyone on my show uh, exactly one minute to say whatever they want to Tom Cruise. So if Tom Cruise ever feels inclined to listen to my show, I'm going to super cut all of the minutes to Tom together so he can just listen to one straight message. Uh, so you're going to have one minute. I'll hold the timer up here. Um, let me know when you're ready and we can start your minute to Tom. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Tom, I want to thank you for your contributions to the Hollywood landscape and to all of your iconic work in, uh, many, many films and the Kokomo music video. Uh, and I do want to say, I feel like you are so attractive and beloved and confident. I feel like you should embrace being a short king. You should just own it, like end the trickery. Just let it happen. Everyone loves you for it. That's Amazing. all I got. That's perfect. <laughs> 30 seconds to Tom. He is a short king. He's he's not even that short. He's like five, seven. Yeah, but just wow. like the, 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 the sort of trickery of him always appearing uh, taller than Cameron Diaz. He's not taller than Cameron. Uh, or whoever yeah he's definitely the amount of shoe boxes he's had to stand on is a little ridiculous but uh, you know i i do appreciate it when people are like fine with his everyone's always critiquing his teeth on this show i'm very thankful that uh, you didn't critique his teeth because i'm tired of it i'm like his teeth are fine i think he's too i think he's terrific the way he is yeah he's he's great well uh, we're gonna go into a quick commercial break uh and then after this we're going to play a game uh called this is a thing that happens after this this is tom scared for the borgen project each year nearly two million children die from preventable diseases each day thirty thousand people die from hunger 500 each hour are children The Borgen Project is turning this around. We need your help. To learn more, go to borgenproject.org. That's B-O-R-G-E-N project.org. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin and deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. 
Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Radio DePaul. I'm Connor Mudd and this is Tom Talks. This is a thing that happens uh, is just trivia. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to ask you trivia questions. We're going to see if you can answer them. Pretty simple rules. Yeah. You know, I I don't think I've ever asked you a trivia question, but this will be a first and this will be, this will be fun. Um, So have you seen Magnolia? Yes. Okay, yeah. So this is a thing that happens is a phrase that the young quiz kid says uh, in the part of the movie where everything goes awry. Um, So this will be eight questions on strange natural phenomena. So these are things that happen. Uh, Question number one. The Bolivian salt flat, Salar de Uyuni, is known for both its reflective surface and what species of lawn favorite bird? Herons? That's a good. That's a good guess. But but do you put herons on your lawn? Oh, lawn favored bird. I misheard you. Ah, uh, flamingos. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I I originally had it as long legged, and I was like, then it would be one of many birds. But I was like, ah, I thought, lawn. I thought you said long favored, like like some very fancy way of saying people have liked them for a long time. And I was like, all right, a long favored bird. <laughs> herons. <laughs> Yeah, flamingos. Yeah, I like that herons is the first thing that came in your mind of (laughs) birds that people have loved for a while. They seem fancy. They are. I I actually haven't seen a heron in person. Well, at the zoo once, but never in the wild. I see cranes a lot. I love cranes. Okay, question number two. A green flash at sunset on the ocean is an enhanced mirage or an omen of resurrection for the characters in which Pirates of the Caribbean sequel? On Stranger Tides? It's the one right before that one, I think. Great Gatsby? (laughs) Yep, Uh, it's the Great Gatsby. (laughs) The Green Flash, Pirates of the Caribbean, and the Great Gatsby. I'll admit I'm I'm not a big... uh, Pirates of the Caribbean knower. I do not know the answer to this, Connor. That's it, it is at world's end. I only knew it because I watched it like two weeks ago because I was bored and I was like, oh, I'm going to binge all of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. And not mm-hmm. all of them are on Disney+. Plus. Uh, one of them is not there because they do not like it. Disney doesn't. They're like, nope, throw it out. Keep it away. Fair. Give it back uh, to Verbinski. Yeah, no, <laughs> anyone else. Anyone else can take it. Uh <laughs> All right, question number three. Colored by an outflow of iron oxide, the famous waterfall on the Taylor Glacier in Antarctica is said to look like what? Can you repeat the question? Yeah. Colored by an outflow of iron oxide, the famous waterfall on the Taylor Glacier in Antarctica is said to look like what? Blood. It is blood. It's terrifying. I, you know, I don't think I'd ever want to go there. (laughs) Especially having, oh, I've seen most of the movie, oh, what is it? The Thing? Mm-hmm. The, the McMurdo base and the thing there? Uh-uh. Blood, Waterfall, Antarctica? I don't trust it. No. Not even a little. Don't care for it myself. <laughs> Not about that. Um, that would be fun to like die a swimming pool with that. Probably not safe, but fun. That's what counts. Okay. Uh, Utah's Pando Grove is one of the largest living organisms on Earth. What type of tree is the grove composed of? Banyan. That's a good guess. There's a lot of banyan trees uh, in that in that region, but it is the aspen tree. The aspens uh, are all Ooh. connected at the root, so it's all one big tree. I thought that was a fun. That's awesome. Little, yeah, it's so it's it, it is genuinely it's like ten acres of one creature, uh, which is so weird to me, and I'm very thankful that it's not like an animal so that it cannot eat things because that would be terrifying. This is really a horror core podcast where we talk about blood waterfalls and, uh, you know, I like it. I mean, if you feel like it, it does, it ties in well with Magnolia, certainly. Yeah. You know, these are, these are just strange natural phenomena that occur 
out, out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere, but you know, um, the, this next one, I'm sure you've read about hordes of angry magpies attack innocent bystanders in the swooping season of what already terrifying country? Australia. Yes. And I will never visit Australia just because of swooping season. I, you know, I can handle tarantulas, but birds pecking mm. out my head, not going to happen. Even the ones that don't swoop, the only animal that scares me, I think, is the cassowary mm. uh, with their like blade claws. Like, just cut you open, kick you, just kick Ugh. you open. And uh, I, I don't go to Australia. And that's why. That's what's keeping me away. It's, it's the cassowaries, not, mm. the, not the pandemic. Um, no, and not the any not other the reason not to travel. <laughs> lack of opportunity for my entire life to go to Australia for any reason. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's specifically <laughs> cassowaries. Yeah, um, it's my choice. Yeah, why are there so many terrifying animals? I'm I'm terrified of kangaroos. I'm not gonna lie. Really? Because if any animal could punch me so hard it'd break my teeth, it's pretty much just a kangaroo, right? Or a person. Connor. Well, I'm I'm terrified of people. Okay, <laughs> all right. That's, but I can't avoid people. I am a people. Right, so that's true. If I were a kangaroo, I'd have to chill with kangaroos. But you know, does it make you feel better to think that you could probably break a kangaroo's teeth if you could land a punch on it? You know, that it makes me feel a little better. But I'm I'm not too good at landing punches, mm, <laughs> so no. I need some training before I uh, brave the, the outback. I know someone who punched a horse once. He's the guy to ask. (laughs) Are we ever going to get a Kangaroo Jack spinoff or sequel? We're getting so many. Maybe that's needed. Maybe it isn't. Well, surely we're going to run out of like tentpole movies to reboot and spinoff. So we're going to have to go to the Kangaroo Jacks of the world. True. Like like Kangaroo Jack and I think we're going to need a Crocodile Dundee soon. Like they're going to find some new Australia. It's going to be a Hemsworth as Crocodile Dundee. And I don't hate that. No, that's a great idea. Let's get, I don't know. Let's get Warner Brothers on the phone. Let's get, mm. I don't know who, I don't know who makes those movies. Um, all right. We, we, I think there's three more. Uh, Aurora Borealises are cool. What recent Oscar winner starred as Kenai in the 2003 film Brother Bear? Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. I haven't watched that movie in so long, but I remember him. Delightful little bear. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was that was really when his career had already been awfully well established, right? It wasn't like a cute little, did you know he was in Brother Bear? Like he he was a get for them, right? Am I getting that? Yeah, I'm yeah. He was he was like their their main star. I think mm-hmm. the only other person of any, much note in that movie is Rick Moranis, uh, who played a moose. It's funny because you really think of Phoenix now as just being so self-serious and dour. The idea that there was a point in his career where he's like, yeah, brother bear. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I definitely, because I, don't get me wrong, I didn't love the Joker, but I, I, I mostly didn't love it because he was so very like engrossed in the role. And I'm like, have fun, Joaquin, <laughs> just have yeah. fun with it. Have fun like Keanu Reeves does. That's, that is an old, like a 90s actor who has blossomed in his recent years because, because of his ability to have fun with his roles. Um, that's true and he was just he was made fun of so much so early for trying I think every time he tried to step out of his comfort zone and I feel like he it's it's really um inspiring that he has been able to (laughs) figure out a way to move past that and just be do whatever he wants yeah and now of course he's just doing commercials for PlayStation 5 games um which good good on you Keanu Reeves and Bill and Ted um all right two more Beneath the frozen surface of Alberta's Abraham Lake are distinct frozen bubbles of what flatulent gas? Methane? Yeah. There's Gee. little... Um, it, the article I found this from uh, described them as inflammable uh, little pockets, which means that you could set them on fire or not. I honestly don't know. I wouldn't want to like smoke a cigarette on that lake, you know? No. <laughs> Drop. Go up like a gas station, yeah. Right? Oh. Um, but yeah, there's there's fun little bubbles. Uh, and then the, the final question. Uh, Arnold Lobel would be concerned. In the late 2010s in Japan, Hungary, and Uruguay, what two animals reportedly fell from the sky? Wolves? 
<laughs> what what two animals? <laughs> you said something about Lobo would be concerned. Uh, Arnold Lobel. Lobel. Oh, okay. Once again, thinking I'm hearing like a clue word in there that is not in there. Um, birds, I have to assume. It's uh, frogs and toads. Oh. Arnold Lobel being the author of the, the children's series mm. Frog and Toad. Shame on me for not knowing that. I really do love Frog and Toad. It's a delightful, That's... delightful little, little like uh, iconic <laughs> queer children's book. Yeah, and significantly more plausible to have them falling from the sky. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, how'd they get up there? <laughs> I mean, I would be concerned if yeah. they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and of course that that's part of the plot of Magnolia is mm-hmm. is the this phenomena that happens where frogs get sucked into the sky by weird weather and um, rain on random places, and it happened in some pretty obscure places in the 2010s and a few places. I know in like 1990, it happened in Philadelphia, but Mm. between 09 and 11, pretty much Japan, Hungary and Uruguay were all hit multiple times with frog rain. I'd hate that. I think that would be the grossest thing to happen, but I don't know how plausible it is to happen near us. So I think we're fine. I think we're probably fine. Um, But you know, one never knows. I bet that's what they said in Japan and Uruguay. Yeah, there, there's said, not a ton not of frogs have, here. Or they're, they're just like, that's never, that seems so implausible. Why would frogs rain from the sky? And there they were. So Julianne Moore said, and look what happened to her. That's true. Um, frogs uh, rained. <laughs> and, and that, of course, is what prompts the child to say, this is a thing that happens, uh, which is a pretty poorly written quote. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, that's all Paul Thomas Anderson could say on the fact. Uh, so this this game has been, this is a thing that happens. I, I don't have a, a theme song for this game. I've stopped writing theme songs for the games because I realized I'd have to write so many theme songs. But yeah, that, that's Tom Talks. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I think after this, I'm going to play a song uh, from the movie. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on. All right. Well, have a lovely rest of whatever, what is today? Saturday. There's no way to know, Connor. There's... <laughs> there, there is no, no way to know. Um, hopefully, uh, at some point in the next year, Trivia will be back, and I will see you at the Twisted Hippo again. That's my fondest dream. All righty, we'll be right back after we listen to this song by Amy Mann. Hello, welcome back. You're listening to Radio DePaul. I'm Connor Mudd, and this is Tom Talks. That was Save Me by Amy Mann, a song that is featured pretty heavily in the movie Magnolia. We're going to go into a synopsis followed by some fast facts and a data breakdown for Magnolia uh, right now. This is going to be a little bit convoluted. Magnolia is a very intertwined movie. It's an ensemble piece, so there's a lot of characters, and the stories don't make a ton of sense, so it's going to be a little tricky to follow, so bear with me here. The characters that I'm going to talk about are Jimmy, Claudia, Rose, Stanley, Rick, Donnie, Phil, Earl, Linda, and Jim. That's right, there's a Jimmy and a Jim. Uh, Pay special note to that, and it's going to get super confusing. Uh, The... Movie starts with a narrator recounting three instances of incredible coincidences, uh, and the narrator suggests that forces greater than chance play important roles in people's lives. These three instances are basically just murders and suicides that happen coincidentally. They don't have any actual uh, weight to this story. It's just a preface, basically. Uh, then the actual bulk of the movie starts with police officer Jim Curring, so that's Jim, uh, investigating a disturbance at a woman's apartment, and he finds a body in the closet. Dixon, a young neighborhood boy, tries to tell him who committed the murder through some form of prophetic rap, um, but Jim is dismissive and doesn't believe the boy. Uh, Jim goes to the apartment of one Claudia Wilson. Claudia's neighbors called the police after she argued with her estranged father, um, who is children's game show host Jimmy Gator, uh, and then she blasted music while snorting cocaine. Uh, Unaware of her addiction, Jim, the cop, is attracted to her and prolongs his visit. He asks her on a date that night, to which she says yes. Jimmy, not Jim, uh, hosts a long-running quiz show called What Do Kids Know? Jimmy's also dying of cancer and has only a few months to live. That night, the night of this 24-hour period that this movie covers, uh, the newest child prodigy on the show, Stanley Spector, takes the lead as the show begins. 
He is then hounded by his father for prize money and demeaned by the surrounding adults who refuse to let him use the bathroom during a commercial break. When the show resumes, he wets himself and freezes, uh, and he's humiliated when everyone realizes what happens because he pissed himself on air. As the show continues, an inebriated Jimmy, not Jim, uh, sickens, and he orders the show to go on after he collapses on stage. But after Stanley's father berates him for freezing on air, Stanley runs away from the studio. Donnie Smith, who is a former What Do Kids Know champion, watches the show from a bar. Donnie's parents spent his prize money that he won on the show, uh, and he has also recently been fired from his job at Solomon Solomon, which is an electronics store, uh, due to his chronic lateness and poor sales. So Donnie is broke, and he's obsessed with getting oral surgery. He thinks that he can land the man of his dreams if he gets braces. Uh, so he hatches a plan to get back as his boss by stealing the money he needs for his braces. Um, simultaneously, the show's former producer, Earl Partridge, is also dying of cancer. Earl's trophy wife, Linda, collects his prescriptions for morphine and other drugs while he is cared for by a nurse, Phil Parma. Earl asks Phil to find his estranged son, Frank Mackey, who is a mm, uh, motivational speaker is one word for it. Um, basically, he's a pickup artist who is teaching other men how to be terrible men uh, and how to be terrible to women. So Frank Mackey is a quote unquote motivational speaker. Uh, Frank is in the midst of an interview with a journalist who reveals that she knows that Frank had to take care of his dying mother after Earl abandoned the family. An angry Frank storms out of the interview and uh, then gets a call from Phil, who has been trying to get a hold of him and calling a bunch of wrong numbers. So he finally gets a hold of Frank. Linda, who is the trophy wife to the dying man, goes to see Earl's lawyer, begging him to change Earl's will. She admits that she married Earl for his money, but now loves him and doesn't want the money. The lawyer suggests that she renounce the will and refuse the money, which would then go to Frank. Linda rejects his advice and leaves in a rage because, well, <laughs> she's a woman and no woman likes Frank Mackey. Linda berates Phil for seeking out Frank, uh, but then later apologizes for some reason. She then drives to a vacant parking lot and washes down handfuls of prescription medicine with alcohol. Dixon, the kid from earlier with the prophetic raps, finds Linda in her car near death and calls an ambulance after, of course, taking the money from her purse. Before his date with Claudia, okay, so that happened. Here's another part of the storyline. Before his date with Claudia, Jim, not Jimmy, takes fire during a pursuit and loses his gun, just kind of randomly. Uh, when he meets Claudia later that evening, they promise to be honest with each other. So he confesses his ineptitude as a cop and admits that he has not been on a date since he was divorced three years earlier. Claudia says that he will hate her because of her problems, but Jim assures her that her past doesn't matter. So they kiss on the first date, and then she runs away. Doesn't make much sense, but you know, neither does anything else in this movie. Um, so now we're on Jimmy. Jimmy goes home to his wife. Jimmy, not Jim. Uh, so Jimmy goes home to his wife, Rose, and confesses that he cheated on her. She asks why Claudia doesn't talk to him anymore, and Jimmy admits that Claudia believes he molested her. Rose demands to know if it's true, but Jimmy says he cannot remember if he committed the abuse. Upset, Rose tells Jimmy that he deserves to die alone and walks out on him. So Rose has left Jimmy, Claudia has run away from Jim, and Linda ran away from Earl. For some reason, the women in this movie are just running away from things. Feels really strange. Donnie, former quiz kid Donnie, the one who wants the braces, uh, takes the money from the Solomon Solomon safe, and as he drives away, he decides that, you know, he doesn't want to take the money from the safe. So he decides to return the money, but then discovers he can't get back in because he broke his key off in the lock because, you know, he is also inept. The men are inept, the women run away. That's the plot of this movie. Uh, so he starts to climb a utility pole to get to the roof, but then he's seen by Jim the cop. Suddenly, this is where everything turns. Suddenly, frogs begin falling from the sky. That's right, frogs with multiple consequences. Uh, Jimmy, the quiz show host, is about to shoot himself, but then frogs fall through his skylight, causing him to shoot his TV, which sets the house on fire and he dies anyways. Rose, who is Jimmy's wife, crashes her car in front of Claudia, their daughter's apartment, but makes it inside and reconciles with her. 
Earl, who is the man dying from cancer, is awakened by the sound of the frogs and sees his son, Frank, the quote unquote motivational speaker beside him before he dies. Um, Linda, uh, who has overdosed on pills and is now in an ambulance, uh, her ambulance crashes in front of the emergency room. And Donnie, the quiz kid who wants the braces, is knocked from the pole he's climbing and he smashes his teeth and he's dragged to safety by Jim, the cop. Jim counsels Donnie uh, and helps him return the money. His gun that he lost in that one off scene earlier mysteriously falls from the sky. Frank, the motivational speaker, goes to the hospital to be with Linda, who will recover from her attempted suicide. Stanley, the new quiz kid, returns home and tells her father that he needs to be kinder to him, but his father just tells him to go to bed. Jim, the cop, goes to see Claudia, telling her that he wants to make things work between them. And she smiles in reply. Phil Parma, the nurse, in all of the commotion, also spills a bunch of pills, and the dogs of Earl Partridge eat the pills, and so one of the dogs also dies in this chaotic mess. The synopsis didn't mention that, but it, I, it was really distinct to me, and so I felt the need to mention it. Yeah, that's this movie. This is a rough movie. This is not... <laughs> this is utterly convoluted and unpleasant in a lot of ways, but you know, it's highly regarded and people like it a whole lot, but you know, I don't get it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I rated this one. We'll look at the data a little bit later. Um, but what they don't really mention is that Tom Cruise's character, who is the motivational speaker, it, the motivation is really just uh, sexist drivel that is some of the most unpleasant <laughs> things to listen to so the the many intertwining plot lines are fun and all but none of them really stand out or are substantive all that much and everyone in this movie is a terrible person every single one of them and that's kind of the point of it um you know jim is a bad cop jimmy's a bad father that's right. There's, oh, there's also a Jim and a Jimmy. That really made this whole synopsis confusing. I'm sure that anyone listening is is thoroughly confused. And honestly, if you watch the movie, you'd be just as confused. Uh, lots of reports of people walking out mid-film in theaters for this one. Uh, so let's go into some fast facts. The writer and director was Paul Thomas Anderson, who did Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love. He also has done a ton of music videos for Haim and Fiona Apple and Radiohead. So he's really just like into indie music and that sort of vibe. That's why this movie features scenes from a music video or the music video features scenes from the movie, vice versa, with Amy Mann's song, Save Me. There is also, and the synopsis failed to mention this, uh, in the middle of the film, right at the halfway point, um, all of the characters just start singing an Amy Mann song. They start singing Wise Up just halfway through the movie in the middle of nowhere. They just start all singing. So they're all featured on that track on the, <laughs> the cast album. It's so weird. This is such a weird movie. The cast is phenomenal, though. It's one of the best casts of any Tom Cruise movie ever. Um, and that includes like the outsiders. So Jimmy Gators played by Philip Baker Hall, who was in all, also Boogie Nights um, and Mr. Popper's Penguins, Bruce Almighty, Truman Show. He's got 183 acting credits, this man. He's in everything and he's phenomenal. Uh, Claudia Wilson Gator is played by um, Laura Waters, who is also in Boogie Nights um, and Dead Poet Society and a movie called Sex, Death and Bowling, which is an indie movie about... Um, well, those three things. It's about sex, death, and bowling. Uh, Rose Gator is played by uh, Melinda Dillon, who is in A Christmas Story and Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Harry and the Hendersons, a phenomenal mom actress. Uh, and she plays the mom in this one. Stanley Spector, who is the little kid, uh, is played by Jeremy Blackman, who didn't really do much after this. He just had a few episodes on various seasons of Law & Order. He didn't have a recurring character on Law & Order. He just was on a couple different uh, Law & Order series. I think SVU and uh, one of the many others. Uh, Rick Spector, Stanley's father, is played by Michael Bowen, who plays Buck in Kill Bill. He's also in Breaking Bad, Django Unchained. He was in ER. No, no, sorry, no. He was in... 
sorry he was in a movie called all cheerleaders die which is like a zombie cheerleader b movie um it looked pretty good honestly i watched the trailer for all cheerleaders die it looked better than i thought it would uh quiz kid donnie smith the quiz kid meaning the the former quiz kid donnie smith is played by william h macy who you would know from fargo and shameless and boogie nights uh our boogie nights count is up to four we'll see where we are at the end of the episode he was also in er and the tales of despero movie uh phil parma who is the nurse the male nurse who cares for the cancer guy uh is played by philip seymour hoffman philip seymour hoffman of course won his Oscar for the movie Capote. He was also in Big Lebowski and Boogie Nights and Mission Impossible 3 with uh, Tom Cruise. Earl Partridge is played by Jason Robards, who uh, won his Oscars from All the President's Men and Julia. He was also in Once Upon a Time in the West, and he played Abe Lincoln in an Abe Lincoln biopic. Uh, And you know how much I love uh, figuring out who all has played Abraham Lincoln in the past. Linda Partridge is played by none other than Julianne Moore, who is a phenomenal actress from Still Alice and Far From Heaven and The Hours and Boogie Nights. Uh, she is also actually in an upcoming uh, Dear Evan Hansen movie that I'm very excited for. She's playing one of the moms. The other mom is played by Amy Adams. It's going to be a phenomenal adaptation of the musical i think it could be i honestly didn't know julianne moore could sing though i suppose she did sing in this movie but only briefly uh, officer jim curring is played by depaul alum john c Riley, who was in chicago and walk hard and talladega nights and nine and of course boogie nights our boogie nights count is up to seven right now because paul thomas anderson uh you know doesn't want to hire actors who weren't already in a movie of his is kind of what it looks like. Other actors of note who were in this movie, Clark Gregg, Felicity Huffman, Patton Oswald, Alfred Molina, Luis Guzman, Paul F. Tompkins, and Robert Downey Sr. I'm not going to go into their careers, but those are all names that should be memorable to you. Um, they're generally like background type or or side character type people, but like they're all pretty phenomenal. So I wanted to give them a mention here and they had cameo roles essentially in this movie. Uh, other fun facts, Paul Thomas Anderson wrote the bulk of this movie locked in William H. Macy's Vermont cabin because he was afraid to go outside because he saw a snake. Paul Thomas Anderson's also really just a big Fiona Apple fan. He's directed like six Fiona Apple music videos in this movie. Uh, a large amount of the paintings seen in the background, which most of the paintings in the background are of magnolia flowers, were done by Fiona Apple. At one point in the movie, the nurse is trying to get in contact with the son of the dying man, the son of the dying man being uh, Tom Cruise's character. Uh, and he ends up calling a bunch of wrong numbers. And one of the wrong numbers, the voice on the other line, is Fiona Apple. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson Uh, Did not like how the studio was planning on marketing this because the studio wanted to say, this is a Tom Cruise movie, and it really isn't. Um, And so Paul Thomas Anderson, to spite the studio, designed the poster for the film and edited the trailer for the film because he was like, no, this is not some Tom Cruise movie. This is an ensemble piece. This is is my best movie of all time because Paul Thomas Anderson, for a little bit, did genuinely believe that this was his best movie. And uh, I don't think a single person agrees with him. Um, The F word is said in this movie 190 times for no reason. I'm not going to lie. Half the time it's shouted. It's not the worst word that's said in this movie. Tom Cruise has his most foul language in this movie. I can't say half of the quotes that Tom Cruise says because of how foul it is. The only character in his whole filmography who's even at all similar to this is rock of ages stacy jacks the womanizing rock star both of them wear leather pants and are shirtless for a good portion of the film this movie is three hours and eight minutes long that's seven minutes longer than avengers endgame if you were ever considering if you were ever considering watching this movie you don't have to I think I did a decent job summarizing it here. It's, it hurts. 
but data wise, if we're looking at the data, if, if we're looking at the data, this movie is on par pretty much. Uh, so as you know, I rank each movie on enjoyment, engagement, quality, iconography, and the Tom Cruise factor. My enjoyment for this movie is a 12, right? I enjoyed it uh, on, on more than 50% I enjoyed. I was engaged because I was confused. Um, it's pretty high quality. He's uh, the, the director is fairly well regarded and the actors are all pretty... Uh, pretty top-notch iconography no one remembers this movie thank god um the tom cruise factor i put pretty pretty middle of the road as well uh giving it a 61 which is exactly my average score there are technically worse movies than this there are movies that are poor quality that tom cruise has been in this is a high quality movie that is outright bad which is in some ways worse than a low quality movie that is somehow good like legend legend is low quality in every respect and in that way it's like okay i get its cult following i get its appeal this movie doesn't have that this movie was supposed to be good it had everything it needed to be good it had all of the right actors it had a director with critical acclaim it had so much going for it and it was bad but i still i gave it an average because it's one of tom cruise's top performances this is one of three times he was nominated for an oscar and i believe the last time he was nominated for an oscar um the others being jerry Maguire and born on the fourth of july so i had to give it a 61 on the data all this is to say don't go watch this movie it's not worth it it's never worth it it's really weird so if you like the weird stuff if you're a film kid and you you know you like art house film kid films you can go watch it but otherwise no it's worthless and on that note this is the final show of the fall quarter i will be doing a couple winter break holiday specials so stay tuned in a couple weeks for some classic uh holiday episodes i'll be talking about mission impossible 2 and vanilla sky and minority report all over winter break uh, so come back next week and listen to that. And as always, stay gold, pony boy.